You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, the best damn Titans podcast out there. How you doing, folks? This is your host, Ryan Moreland. We have a great big show for you. A lot of stuff to cover, so let's jump right into it. Very excited to have Titans Online's very own Jim Wyatt on with us. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Always a blast to have you on. So let's jump right into it. Very first question I think we're all wondering. A lot of people ask me this. It's about Corey Davis. We know that he, it's likely that he's going to play in this Week 9 matchup. What can we realistically expect from him? Well, I think he's going to make an impact. I mean, I, I think it's unreal, unrealistic to expect he's just going to be uh, able to run up and down the field and do everything he is eventually going to be able to do without uh, being in the condition that he's going to uh, be in after playing in several games. But, you know, he's, 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 he's long, he's fast. He's physical. He's going to win some one-on-one battles. He's going to help you in the red zone. I think he's going to bring a different look to the offense. I mean, this is a guy who has kept up to speed with what they're doing. Has stayed in the playbook. He's he's hungry. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think. And, and if you doubt whether or not he can make an impact, I mean, people say, ask me, you know, how how could you expect him to do a lot? He hasn't played since week one, except for maybe a little bit against Jacksonville. Well. I go back to the, to the week one game against Oakland. He didn't play all in the preseason. You know, it was limited in practice. They hardly played at practice at all uh, because of a hamstring injury. And then right out of the gate, he had six catches for 69 yards and, and made, an, made an incredible third down catch for his first grab. So he, he's going to help, uh, and I think he'll help more uh, the longer he plays. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point you bring up. I believe he was our leading uh, receiver in that game as well, Jim. Uh, but moving on to the guy throwing him the football, Marcus. It appears that Marcus is at 100%. And, you know, before the the injuries, he was averaging about three and a half design running plays a game. Do you think now that Marcus is getting close to 100% or if not at 100%, we see him go back to those numbers? Or do you think that Malarkey will be a little bit more protective of him in the second half of the season? Well, I think I think he obviously benefited from the bye week. I know Mike Malarkey was asked uh, the first day back if, if he's back to 100 percent, and he kind of said, "Yeah, you know, I, w- I would think so." But you know, just me thinking, you know, you know, they're you know, the last thing they want to do is have him suffer a setback. Uh, he'll obviously be able to move around the pocket better. Uh, I think there'll be occasions where he can can take off and run a little bit. He's 100, percent and does that mean he's back to calling everything? I, I guess I, I guess that kind of remains to be seen. But uh, uh, I, I definitely think you see a, an improved version of Marcus Mariota compared to what we saw the last couple of weeks. And speaking about that, uh, Jim, you know Marcus has been struggling this year. The injury has a big part uh, to do with that. But we've seen a lot of overthrows this year. Doesn't seem like the Marcus that we saw last year. Outside of getting healthy. What does he need to do in the second half of the season, you know, to improve to be better than he was in the first half? Well, he's going to have to continue developing chemistry with his receivers. I mean, you know, coming into this year, I mean, you're talking about a receiving Corey. He'd never thrown a ball to Corey Davis. He'd never thrown a ball to Eric Decker. He'd never thrown a ball to Taewon Taylor. Obviously, he's got some familiarity with with Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker. But throw John o. Smith into that group of, of new targets it, it takes time and uh, you know some of those guys I mentioned weren't available for training camp because of injury that's Decker and Davis so uh, I think in time 
they'll continue to grow. They have to play better around them and, and uh, you know, run the balls, which will make them less predictable at when they're going to throw it. I think an improved version of Marcus from a health standpoint is going to help as well. He's just got to get into uh, a routine and a rhythm and just hasn't been able to do that because of the injury. He, he's missed. I mean, he, missed, he was not himself against the, the Browns and the Colts. Uh, you know, he suffered the injury in the, you know, the first half of the Houston games. He didn't play in that one. Missed the, missed the Miami game, obviously. So, you know, he's missed. You're talking about half the season there when he hasn't been himself. So, just I think he just needs time and, uh, and needs more familiarity and chemistry with the receivers. Absolutely. I'd agree with you there. <clears throat> we have some other injuries, some very notable injuries outside of those two. Uh, DeMarco Murray... Jonathan Cyprian, Delaney Walker, Quentin Spain. You know, I read your article from yesterday where you talked to Coach Malarkey and it said that Spain was looking kind of doubtful uh, is what the coach was saying. I, you know, besides Spain, what what about the other three? What are we looking at for week nine? Well, a couple of to-be-determines in there because, uh, you know, Spain's definitely a question mark. He's dealing with the turf toe, and, and uh, Brian Swinky's on call to fill in for him. DeMarco Murray mentioned he's dealing with a hamstring and a shoulder, I think, he benefited from the bye week. I, I would expect him to play. Delaney Walker, you have to keep your fingers crossed with him. You know, he got hurt in the Browns game, and uh, luckily it was a bone bruise and not necessarily a, a sprain. But, uh, you know, those those things can linger. And, uh, you know, he's going to need uh, to prove to them during the course of the week he's, he's able to go. You know, uh, Jonathan Cyprian has not played since the Raiders game. Uh, he did return to practice on Monday. I expect him to be available. You know, what does that do to the rotation? What does that do to some of the other safeties that have been playing? Uh, they've got to work through that as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Speaking of Spain and you know, Brian Schwinke stepping up into that spot, uh, how comfortable do you think the team feels right now if Spain doesn't play with Schwinke stepping into that role? Well, you prefer Spain just because he's you know he's he's got. You know, good chemistry with the group. I think they've gelled, and I think it's a group that's going to keep getting better. You know, he's really strong. Uh, you know, I think he's one of the more underrated you know guards in the league. Uh, you know, with that said, you know, they, that, this is why they signed Brian Swinky. He's, he's he's a veteran. He's familiar with the system. He's stepped in, you know, on numerous occasions. He's started a ton of games as well. So. They feel like he can get the job done. And I talked to Brian in the locker room on Monday, and uh, you know he says he's you know, obviously he's rooting for for improved health from Spain because those guys root for one another. But he he feels like he's capable of stepping in and and uh, keeping them going. Absolutely, Spain's the guy that's close to my heart. Not only as a Titans fan, but also as a West Virginia Mountaineers fan. I, I like to see him on the team. I like to see him succeed like he has so far in his career so hopefully he's able to come back soon but let's shift a little bit here out of injuries but stay with DeMarco Murray you know today was the trade deadline there were a lot of rumors flying around about DeMarco Murray he even mentioned hearing them himself now we're past the trade deadline so we know that he's not going anywhere but how much truth do you think was in those rumors about Murray before the trade deadline yeah I I just think it was just speculation from from media which happens this time of year i mean i saw that obviously john robbins is not telling me any inside uh trading secrets i mean he keeps things close to the vest 
and uh, and in my previous jo- previous job at the Tennessean, you can be sure I would have been sniffing around trying to figure out uh, how much you know if there's fire behind some of that smoke. I'd be checking with agents, I'd be checking with league sources, I'd be checking with team sources. I didn't have, I don't do that now since I'm with the team. If, I, if I'm if I'm snooping around for that kind of stuff, I'm not I'm not <laughs> not doing my job. But just uh, <laughs> watching it myself. Uh, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, this is a team that you know has two good running backs in DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, and there were a lot of questions before these guys were brought here about what they do at the running back position. They got to be better at that position. Uh, you know, when when Derrick Henry was signed, people were questioning why would you do it with with DeMarco Murray around. If the Titans would have traded DeMarco Murray and something would have happened to Derrick Henry. This team would be a team that's just trying to get hot and get to the playoffs would be in a you know, would hurt themselves significantly. So it didn't make any sense to me. I, I think Ezekiel Elliott and his his looming suspension kind of got uh, some people ch- you know, some chatter going and uh, out of Dallas, and that was quickly dismissed. Uh, you know, by people saying Dallas was was happy with the backs they have. So you know. I think if DeMarco Murray heard anything, it was the, the Twitter buzz that gets going around the trade deadline. I don't think it was anything anything legitimate out of that. Yeah, that was my thought too, Jim, when I first saw it. was just it, the only way it makes sense is if you're really trying to free up some some cap space. But, you know, we're sitting here with the fourth most cap room in the NFL. So, I mean, the move really wouldn't make a lot of sense for us. And as you brought up, if something happens to Derrick Henry, then, you know, there goes the running game for a team that really needs the running game to succeed and able to win. So it didn't seem like it made a lot of sense to me either. Just wanted to get your opinion on the matter. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, Caps Bay, I think, I think the team is more important, more focused, and uh, know the most important thing is to win games rather than having more cap space. And, uh, and I think your chances of winning games go down uh, significantly if, if DeMarco Murray is not on your team. I think that's 100% true. But let's move on here. Uh, a lot has been said about the Titans' motivation and the motivation to improve uh, You know, around this bye week, going into it and coming out of it. Have you noticed a change in the atmosphere around practice in the last couple of days? Well, I think I think the team came back, you know, re-energized and and refocused and ready for the long haul. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, you looked at this team going in, and they were a popular pick in the AFC South and a popular pick in the AFC, and and uh, you know, they've heard the same chatter and buzz uh, about them failing to live up to expectations. You know, have they played as well as as People expected maybe not. Uh, have they clicked? And no, I don't think they've clicked yet. But I think you can look at that and realize, hey, you know, this this team is is four and three. It's uh, you know it's tied atop the AFC South, uh, and with the tiebreaker over uh, you know the Jags uh, is right now leading the division. This team's got two of the three teams in the AFC South coming to Nissan Stadium. Uh, in the second half of the season, this team's in a pretty good spot you know, without playing its best football. So uh, the team's getting healthier. You know, we talked about Corey Davis, Jonathan Cyprian is coming back, Marcus Mariota's getting healthier. Uh, you know, th- this team is, has uh, plenty of upside, and I think they realize that. I, I think the, th- the players realize it. Yeah, even though we haven't been 
uh, as dominant as people thought. Uh, four and three is a pretty good place to be, if you ask me. And uh, and they've played a pretty tough schedule. So now it's time to go out and take care of business. Oh, absolutely. It's nice to feel a little bit questionable about how the team's playing and still be in first place in the division. It's nice to be able to have that feeling for sure. Yeah, because this team has a lot of uh, talent. And, you know, the offensive line, you know, is, is back intact. I mean, and these guys were built to play in November and December when the weather turns. I think uh, I think you know this team discovered how to win games last year. You know we saw that in, in beating five playoff teams. Well, this is about the time of the year when they got hot. I mean, if the Titans were three and four after seven games last year. They're a game ahead of that at four and three. Last year's team finished nine and seven, and that was with a late slip up in Jacksonville. So now is the time to uh, to improve on weaknesses. You know. Some of those have improved in the red zone, improved on third down, start faster, you know, get more sacks on defense. But uh, if you make some of those improvements, you know, I think I think the second half could be uh, could be an exciting one. I'd agree with you there, Jim. And looking forward to this second half right now, we're you know tied with the Jaguars, but we have the tiebreaker. Obviously, when the big win over them early in the year, Houston's a game back, and then the Colts find themselves at two and six, pretty far back in the division right now. So, uh, looking at where everybody's lining up right now, what team, and it has to be obviously between Jacksonville and Houston, but which one of those two teams should be worried about the most? Which team uh, scares you the most? Well, I think you got to be concerned with both of them because, you know, for different reasons. I mean, Houston, you know, you, you know, you look at them and their offense has taken off. You know, Deshaun Watson's been great, you know, and it started really with the game against the Titans. Uh, you know, they, they had a couple of chances to get wins against the Patriots and Seattle on the road, if not for letting those games slip away in the final minute. So that, that's a much improved team. Yeah, they've taken a hit on defense with, with some key injuries, but uh, they're dangerous. You know, and I look at Jacksonville, their defense scares you. You know, they've, they've, uh, and they've won some games that I didn't necessarily think they would win. One of them blowing out Pittsburgh. Up at Heinz Field, they they blew out the Ravens uh, this year. Uh, you know the Titans, you know going to Jacksonville was, was and winning was huge. But they've got a schedule. Uh, they've got the last place schedule. You know as a result of their last place finish last year. And if you if you don't think that they are a contender, just watch what they've done and look at what's coming up for them. They've got a lot of favorable matchups on the horizon in the second half of the season. So uh, I, I think both those teams are going to be uh, are, are going to make it tough for somebody to, to pull away and, and just walk home without sweating it out. I mean, I, this, this division is improved, and uh, the Titans are going to have to earn it if they're going to win the AFC South. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Uh, talking about, Jim, I noticed uh, you talking about Kevin Byard earlier this year, and you said he's the most consistent player so far for Tennessee, and I would have to agree with you there. Um, and I know it's we're focused on wins, the team's focused on wins, but do you think if Byard keeps this level of play up that he'll be in the hunt for postseason awards? I definitely think, you know, you're looking at it. You know, it's funny, I talked to him at the end of last year, and he he said his uh, asking about his goals for 2017, and he said, yeah, I want to I want to 
get to the playoffs, obviously, and I want to make it to the Pro Bowl. And uh, you know, here we are after seven weeks. Byron has four interceptions, which was a top, you know, led the league, tied for the team for the league lead. And uh, and he's just going to keep getting better. He's got five created five turnovers in the last five games. Uh, you know, the three picks against the Browns, you know, pick against Houston, fumble recovery against Indy. So uh, he's going to keep getting better. I mean, I think the thing about him is he's he's smart and he works hard. He's, I think durability is big to him. He's, he's, he's the only defender that's played every snap. He's played 480 of 480 snaps this year. Uh, you know, part of that's because they've needed him to do that with Cyprian being injured. But, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, if he keeps putting up good numbers and, uh, and keeps being consistent, yeah, I think he, I think he's going to be in the conversation. You know, looking forward to next week, though, against the Ravens. This is a team that has, a, you know, just coming off of a very impressive win, you know, over Miami that's had their struggles so far this year. And now we, it looks like Flacco will play, at least according to Harbaugh, came out this week, and he said that he believes he'll start. How worried should the Titans be about the Ravens? Well, I think, I think they respect them. I think they realize that uh, if they don't show up to play, it's a team that could beat them. Uh, you know, the Titans should be worried about the Ravens and should be worried about the Bengals and the Steelers and all these teams coming up because they all play good defense and they all try to ugly a game up and beat you up. And uh, so the Titans are going to need to play well. I mean, and they need to, to get a little momentum here at the start of, uh, of a nine-game stretch coming off, off the bye. Uh, you know, Baltimore, you know, he's got an experienced guy in Flacco. They've, uh, you know, they've, They've won some games uh, by just making plays, whether that's on special teams or or on defense. So, you know, I think it's a tough uh, a tough opponent coming to town that's uh, that's also looking to get hot. Uh, you know, starting the second half of the year. Right, and you're looking at this schedule moving forward, Jim. We have a lot of teams that are above 500, right at 500, or one game away from 500. That accounts for. All but two of our matchups are at least within a game of 500, and those being at Indianapolis and at San Francisco. Everybody else has at least a somewhat decent team that we're going to be playing, so not the easiest road moving forward. But nine games that you know we should be able to definitely steal some wins out of. This definitely should be still, in my opinion, I'll see if you agree, a playoff team. Well, I thought going in, the team's capable of, of, of getting to the playoffs, and I still feel that way I mean I think this team is is talented I think uh, I think the pieces are in place but nobody's gonna hand it to you I mean you got to go out and you got to play well and you've got to find a way to win close games you know, this team found a way to win close games in the second half of last season and now uh, I expect them to be in a lot of dog fights here moving forward but uh, you know just like Cleveland I mean it, you know the you know, Cleveland uh, it was winless going in that game. They're still winless, but uh, they're going to fight you. I mean, these guys uh, on every team have a lot of pride, and and they've got you know got guys that can that can embarrass you if you don't show up to play. So, uh, yeah, t- Titans are, are could, could be a playoff team, but they're going to have to go out and uh, and play like it and uh, and take care of business on uh, Sundays. I absolutely agree. And and one more thing with this Ravens game. I've heard a lot of people both on the Titans side and the Ravens side of the media uh, claiming that whichever team has the more 
impressive rush attack on Sunday will win the game. Do you think that's the case? I think uh, it will help. I don't think, uh, you know, I think the Titans are capable of winning games even when the running game is not at its best. Uh, you know, obviously you want to you want to be successful. I mean, Seattle in uh, wins against Seattle, you know, Indianapolis and Jacksonville, it went for over 168 uh, in all three of those games. And, uh, and that makes it a lot easier to win when you can run the ball. But, uh, you know, with that said, I, I think with Corey Davis coming back, with Marcus Mariotti improved, um, this team can, can, can win it, you know, throwing the football too. Um, uh, it, it'll take a balanced attack. And uh, as we've seen in this rivalry, you know, in, in previous years, you know, the team that has the most yards doesn't necessarily always win. I mean, you you got to make plays on defense and you got to make plays on special teams. Uh, it isn't always pretty in this series. It hasn't always been pretty in the series. But, uh, uh, you know, if you, if, if you can make enough plays at the right times, you can still uh, pull it out and get a big win. And that's what the focus is this week. I mean, Titans have, need to find a way to win this game and get to 5-3 and three at the halfway point. I would agree with you there, Jim. Um, one more thing that will end on a lighter note here. Uh, it, the Titans announced, and you know I've seen you announce it on your Twitter, Tyler and Trent McNair, the sons of quarterback Steve McNair, will be the honorary 12th men uh, for the Titans in this game against the Ravens. I think it's a very uh, cool move and a very classy move for the organization to recognize one of the great players that has played for this franchise um, I'm sure you're just excited about it as I am. Yeah, and it'll be a special day. I mean, those those Boston's boys uh, grow up, and I remember when they used to walk uh, off the field with their daddy, you know, even holding holding one of their hands and and carrying the other one, you know, with his uniform still on after games, and but they'd be in the locker room, uh, you know, and and now they're they've grown up and. Uh, certainly they know how special their dad is to so many Titans fans and everybody in the organization. So it'll be really neat to see them uh, there you know, as the 12th Titans and putting the sword in the ground. I'm sure they're going to get a great reception from not only the Titans fans, but the, but the Ravens as well, I mean, because he spent time with Baltimore. And, and those people there in that city respect him from not only the days with the Ravens, but they, they know how he played back during the days of the, the knock-down, drag-out fights. And, and uh, so the, the, the Ravens sideline will be feeling uh, that as well when they come out there. And it's part of a, a, what will be a pretty neat weekend because it's Titans homecoming where a lot of former players come back and, uh, and they'll be recognized on Sunday. And there's, there's a good group, a, a bigger group that's ever been here before for a Titans homecoming that'll be back for this game. So, should be a uh, should be a, a fun day, you know, at Nissan Stadium on Sunday. I absolutely agree. I, I don't think there's a Titans fan out there that doesn't know who Jim Wyatt is. But if you don't, he's on TitansOnline.com. You can find all of his writing there. Also, find him at J Wyatt Sports on Twitter. Jim, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks a lot for coming on. Okay, I appreciate you having me on. Have a good week. You too, Jim. That was Jim White of Titans Online. Another big thanks to him for coming on the show. Always with the best insight.
Now we're moving on to a new segment that we're doing special for the bye week. It's the five things we know and the five things we need to know moving forward. So starting off with what we do know, the number one thing is we know that we need to run the ball effectively in order to win. In our losses so far this year, we averaged 83.3 yards, 4.2 yards per carry, and one touchdown per game. That's our per game average in losses. And wins, that jumps up to 155.5 yards, so 70 more yards. Our yards per carry goes up by .3 to a 4.5 yards per carry average, and we score a touchdown and a half per game. Now, the yards obviously go way up. Now, 4.2 to 4.5 yards per carry might not seem like a big jump, but over the course of a season, that's hundreds of yards. And same with the touchdowns. It's a difference over a course of a season between 16 touchdowns and 24 touchdowns. It's a big difference when you're talking about over the course of a season. That's the difference between maybe three win difference or two win difference over the course of a season. It just shows you that we need to be able to move the ball. We need to run the ball effectively. I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody who's followed the Titans. We need DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry and even Marcus Mariota to have success in the running game in order for us to open up passing lanes, in order for us to score touchdowns and win. The second thing that we know is probably the most obvious on this list. We need Marcus Mariota healthy in order to win football games. Anybody that watches Titans football will tell you this. Matt Castle is 10-18 and 18 since leaving Kansas City and hasn't had a positive touchdown-to-interception ratio since 2013. And if you take away one of those wins because it was against the Texans last year when the Texans didn't need a win in Week 17, that means he's 9-18. and 18. That means he loses twice as often as he wins. Marcus is on pace right now to only throw 10 touchdowns for the season. He had 10 touchdowns after his first six games in 2016, which is where he is right now. We're six games into the season with Marcus because obviously he did miss one. Now, he did miss half a game, but still he's nowhere close to that mark right now, only throwing four touchdowns at this point. We're the second worst red zone percentage in the league right now. 41.1% of the time that we're in the red zone, we score touchdowns. His completion percentage is up, and he's being sacked way less, but his yards per attempt and yards per completion have gone down. Now, what are the reasons behind this? Obviously, his health is the big one. But there's also a few other factors at play here. One, his weapons have gotten better, but a lot of them are new. So chemistry has been an issue, especially because he hasn't gotten a lot of time before the season started to get on the field with these guys. Two, the play calling has been suspect. Obviously, anybody who follows the Titans knows that Terry Rubisky has not been the best play caller this season for sure. But I also think there's a third factor in here. I think Marcus has had issues overthrowing the football this year, and it happened before the injury. I know a lot of people want to say that it was just the injury, that he wasn't stepping into that leg as hard when he threw, which will lead to overthrows if you're throwing with your weight on your back foot. But he was doing it in the game against the Raiders. He was doing it... And, and, you know, in the game against the Jaguars, he was doing it before that injury. And I know he was injured in preseason, so there is like a little, was it the injury, was it not? Let's hope that it is. But I just think that there's something else there. And I'm not exa- exactly sure what it is. It seems like it takes him a while to get comfortable in games, and then he gets those overthrows disappeared. If you look at his overthrows in the first quarter compared to the rest of the game, I mean, it's staggering. The numbers are staggeringly different. He throws so many more overthrows in the first quarter of games than he does anywhere else in a game. He needs to be able to come into games more confident than what he is right now. 
But this isn't reason for worry. He's a young quarterback. He's still figuring out how to play at a high level in this league. I'm not really that worried about it. I think Marcus will do just fine. Just needs to get that confidence going early in a football game, that rhythm going early in a football game. But moving on to the other side of the ball, to a young man who has been performing at a high level, and that's Kevin Byard. What we know about him, he's the future of this defense. Right now second in the league with four interceptions, also added a fumble recovery. He's third on the team in tackles behind Williamson and Woodyard. Uh, Third most passes defended by a safety in the NFL. So far this year, Pro Football Focus has him ranked as the sixth best safety in the league. And as Jim Wyatt told you, he's the only player on our defense that has played every snap so far this season. He's playing at an extremely high level. He's playing very well. This guy is the future, and it's neat to see this coming from a guy that came from MTSU right in Tennessee, coming to the Tennessee Titans and performing at such a high level. A lot of teams overlooked Kevin Byard when he was coming out, and a lot of teams are going to regret that if they're not already. Earlier in the show, you heard me ask Jim Wyatt if Kevin Byard would be up for postseason awards, and Jim was open to the idea for sure. I am as well. I think he will be a pro bowler. You know, it's something at the beginning of the year uh, when Matt and Glenn were on the show. Matt was sold that he'd be a pro bowler this year. Me and Glenn were a little more skeptical. But at this point, you know, he's playing at such a high level. If he keeps this level of play up, obviously he's going to be in the running for a pro bowl. I mean, at this point, if he steps it up even a little bit, he's in the running for defensive player of the year. That's the kind of level that Kevin Byard's playing at right now. Definitely a key asset. Definitely something that we're glad to have on this team. All right, the next thing we know for sure is our pass rush needs to improve. We are 22nd in sacks in the league right now, only with 13 at this point. We've allowed 13 passing touchdowns, which is 23rd in the league, despite giving up the 7th best completion percentage and having 7 interceptions, which is the 11th best total in the league. This tells me that our secondary is really not playing that bad. It's just they're getting hung out to dry on certain plays because we don't get to the quarterback. We've seen it all year long. We've really struggled struggled against quarterbacks that are mobile. That has been a big issue for us. Jacoby Brissett had a very good game against us because we couldn't get to him. Deshaun Watson tore us apart because we couldn't get to him. We struggle against guys that can move around. We need more speed on along the defensive line and our uh, pass rushers. We need to get to the quarterback we need to close out on the quarterback definitely something that needs to be addressed throughout the season and definitely in the off season the last thing that we know for sure is this rush defense has been pretty good 3.6 yards per carry fifth best in the league only three rushing touchdowns which is the fourth best total in the league we have forced four fumbles which is sixth best in the league although we've only recovered one so we definitely need to prove on that side of things But the thing is, the point of the matter is, we don't give up very many yards. We don't give up very many rushing touchdowns. Our problem is with the passing game. We dominate the rushing game. If we can play that kind of football against the pass, we'll have one of the best defenses in the league easily. The rush defense, though, has been very solid. And a lot of credit has to go with the men in the middle. Wesley Woodyard, Avery Williamson have been playing excellent. They've been playing really great this season at stopping the run. It's something that we knew that they could do very well. Pass coverage was their weakness. Stopping the run was something that they do well. And they're doing a fantastic job of stopping the run. And with additions that we've made through the offseason, guys like Jayon Brown, we're doing good against stopping tight ends as well. And we're doing better in coverage. Now let's move on to the things that we need to find out. First among those is can we get the running game going early so we don't get behind 
early in games. This has been a problem for us because we do live and die by the running game. We've already established that. We all know that. But we take a long time getting that running game going in a lot of games, which causes us either to get behind or if our defense plays really well, which they have in a lot of these games, we just don't score very much until the second half and we have this explosion. I'm sure everybody thought, just like I did, in that Cleveland game when we went into halftime, and I believe the game was 6-3 uh, to three at that time, we all thought, all right, yeah, but we'll come out in the second half, we're going to blow them out, it's going to be like 35-10 to you know 10 or whatever. That didn't happen. You know, we barely win this game in overtime. It took a long time for us to get going in that game. But every game, all of our wins, it has taken a while for us to get going, to put points on the board. This is something we need to figure out. I think it's one, we don't scheme very well. We don't plan. Our coaches, that's on them. We don't plan very well for a lot of these teams offensively. The other thing is, too, our running game just doesn't get started early enough. We need to figure out ways to do that. And, you know, Chris... Um, from Titans and Truth, Chris Newell has come on the show before, and he has a plan, and I think it's great. You pass to set up the run. Do the reverse. Start throwing these passes early in games, and then open up lanes in the rushing game. Every team is going to try to stack the box against us, and especially this year with Marcus not performing at his peak, they're going to stack that box and let Marcus try to beat you. So let Marcus beat them, and then when they open up, go to the rushing game. The next thing on the list goes hand-in-hand with the first one. Can Terry Robisky cool off that hot seat with some better play calling? Robisky likes to get cute. He likes to throw in some gadget plays. He likes to throw in some stuff the defense isn't looking for. And sometimes it does work, admittedly. Sometimes it works out great. A lot of times it blows up in our face, though. We need to figure out how to get this play calling ironed out, get the rhythm between Marcus and the receivers ironed out. If that happens, Terry Robisky is going to be here next year. If it doesn't, that becomes more questionable. And I know a lot of fans, I know a lot of you listening, have been calling for his job. You know, it's something that he definitely needs to show improvement, or he could be at risk of losing his job for sure. We have too much talent on this offense to be a stagnant offense, which, you know, we have been in every first half of pretty much every game that we've played is stagnant. We need to come out. We need to be able to come out early, like I mentioned in the last one. We need to be able to come out strong and have good performances. A lot of that has to do with the play calling. I'm sure Mike Malarkey and Terry Robisky are going to work on that a lot. You know, in the coming weeks, I'm sure they looked at it a lot during bye week. This should be an issue that resolves itself. And if it's not, Terry Robisky might be looking for a job, you know, come February. The next one's probably the biggest question of the season. Are the Titans the best team in the AFC South, and can they prove it? Going into the season, a lot of us, myself included, thought that we were the cream of the crop, that this was our division to lose. You know, like just like last week, you know, when we were talking to Greg Arias, he said it's not our division to lose; it's our division to win. We have to go out there and prove it because right now the Texans' offense is a lot better than it thought they were going to be. Their defense has taken a step back with you know the losses that they had over the off season and injuries they've had this year so far. Jacksonville's offense has developed a running game, although the passing game is still questionable for sure. But their defense has been playing at an extraordinarily high level. So right now. We have one team that's a game behind us, one team that's tied with us. Can Tennessee prove to everyone that they are the best team in the AFC South? And it's not going to be an easy task. I do think the Titans come out of the bye week with a renewed sense, a new motivation, and they'll come out ready to play. However, the one thing they have going against them is 
their schedule is not as easy as the Texans and the Jags. If you look at the strength of schedule right now, based off of what teams have done so far this year, the Titans have the seventh easiest schedule. That's the good news. The bad news is the Texans have the fifth easiest schedule, and the Jags have the easiest schedule left. That, you know, could be problematic. We need to outplay them and stay ahead of them. With the Jaguars, it's especially concerning since we don't have a game up on them right now, even though we do have the tiebreaker. So right now we're setting in first place, and if we do end up tied, we're still setting in first place. But we need to consistently win more games than they're able to so we can stay in front of these two teams. Fourth on the list of things that we need to find out is can we open field tackle? It's been a problem for us all season long outside of a handful of guys, the guys like Woodyard, the guys like Bayard, who have been great open field tacklers, but there's a lot of guys on this team that have struggled to bring down ball carriers at first contact. It's been a very big problem for us, something that we need to fix. And lastly, the last question is how we're going to fare in this division. Last year, we had a very rough road in this division. So far this year, we're sitting at 2-1, and one. one loss to Houston. We still have all three teams left to play. Luckily for us, we have two at home left on the docket. So we'll have the Texans at home, and we'll have the Jaguars at home. We do have to go to Indianapolis. So the two t- toughest teams in our division outside of us, we're going to play at home. Definitely a huge bonus for us. I think we need to win at least four within the division in order for us to win this division Uh, So you need to win that game against the Colts, obviously. That game is a must-win against the Colts. And then steal one against either the Texans or the Jaguars. Hopefully, it's the Texans and that Jaguars game doesn't even mean anything to us. And we're playing Matt Castle as the starter because we've already gotten to the playoffs in that Week 17 matchup. But we need to win at least four, I think, in order to get in. It's not impossible to do, definitely not that challenging but this Houston team's for real this Jacksonville team is for real we need to be able to steal win against one of them but focusing on the more immediate we have a week nine matchup with the Baltimore Ravens we talked about it before so I'm not going to get too in-depth it looks like Flacco's going to play this team is a very good pass defense that's something that we need to be aware of uh, in this matchup we need to be able to run the ball effectively and try to not force anything with Marcus, not force any mistakes, and we should be just fine. On the other side of the football, if we can stop their running game, Flacco hasn't been playing that well anyway, and he's going to be coming back from injury. We should be able to stop the running game, force Flacco into bad decisions, and we should be able to win this game. My final prediction for this, I'm going to say Tennessee 27, um, Baltimore 21. I think it's going to be a decently close game. This is still a pretty good football team, but I think Tennessee should be able to come out and get the job done. That's all we have this week. Thanks everybody for listening. You can find me at the Ryan Moreland on Twitter. You can find the show at TTU Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Find the show at www.ttupodcast.com as well. As always, let's get a good win this week. Let's kick some Raven ass. Tighten up.